Man, good morning, church family. My name is Derek. It's good to be with you. And uh, as I got ready for this this morning, uh, I was thinking this week of things that uh, used to be okay or used to be normal, but maybe we don't look on them quite so fondly or or as being appropriate anymore. I thought of things that used to be okay, but that maybe make us freak out a little bit right now, Uh, maybe especially as parents. Things that used to be okay, but things that maybe cause us to freak out a bit now. Uh, Somewhere along the way in my life, going through old pictures, I'm pretty sure that I've seen, come across a a photo of me on the backseat of a station wagon as a baby in a cardboard box. (laughs) And if I'm not mistaken, that's how I was transported around town. And my parents loved me, and they were, and they were, they were doing the best for me, right? Uh, and yet, I'm not sure that's the way things could roll now. I was born in 1975, and car seat laws were really not a thing fully in every state until about 1985, which means that that picture of me very well, I, I don't think I'm making up that picture. Uh, my dad tells stories, thinking of, speaking of things that maybe were okay or were the norm, and would not pass as such these days, uh, according to our parenting uh, standards, our safety standards, our, our, our modern practices. My dad tells a story about he and his brothers being, you know, miles across town from home, playing in a swamp or, or in a river or, I don't know, somewhere unsafe in water, right? And, and being miles from home. And, of course, he was not text messaging his mother, his location, and what time he would be home. So what was okay and normal, and these are talking, we're talking about parents that loved us and that were doing their best, and that's just the way it was. Uh, Can you think of something, maybe as I talked about those, can you think of something that you relate to? Can you think of an example in your life where uh, something that used to be okay, used to be the norm, might cause parents today to freak out a little bit? But parenting is tough and complicated. And as time goes by, we've just added these layers and these expectations. But look around. We all survived, right? We all turned out okay. Well, I know I'm up for debate whether I turned out okay or not. But you all turned out great. And and that that was just the way things were. We're in a series of messages called Crazy Busy. And here's where we've started in this series. A few weeks back, we started in this series by laying really two kind of foundational things, two two things that we want to be the basis of, of what we look at when we think of our lives being full and crazy busy and our priorities being torn. We started the series with these two foundational ideas. We, uh, first of all, that, that the importance of sitting at the feet of Jesus. That there are many things that we could put our attention to, but, but the, 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 God's word says there is one thing that is best. And that was what Mary chose to do in sitting at the feet of Jesus and studying and learning from him and being with him. And then the next week we talked about following Jesus' example to prioritize our purpose, to think about what God has made us, you, 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 individually, uniquely, how has God made you and what has he given you to do? And out of the midst of our crazy busyness and all that could pull us in different directions, how do we prioritize purpose? Jesus came and lived out his purpose to live and die and be raised again so that we might have life. How do we follow his example and live by prioritizing our purpose? And then now we're in in kind of as the series has continued and we're going to wrap up next Sunday, we've kind of looked at some other 
contributors to our crazy busyness. We've, we've brought up some topics the last couple of weeks and today, and, and we're asking God to show us how do these contribute to our crazy busyness. We looked at technology and our online connectedness and our constant need to be online and connected and, and how we, we were wrestling with whether that adds to our crazy busyness. Last week, Pastor Ed, uh, excellent message about, our, uh, about pride, healthy pride, but a potential for unhealthy pride that adds to our crazy busyness. If you haven't got the chance to hear these others in the series, you can always go to our website and listen to the messages online. I encourage you to do that. And today we're going to talk about kids and parenting and, how, and, where, and where, how this factors in to our lives that are busy and full. And, uh, and, I, and I know that uh, not all of you are parents, but all of you have parents. All of you, maybe, maybe uh, you know, our parents now with littles now, maybe you are a grandparent now. I want us to ask God to show us how this applies to us today, what we can hear from him today, regardless of where you are uh, in that life situation. We want to ask God to help us know and care for uh, kids, to know and care for parents. <clears throat> so here's, here's where we're starting is, is you think in this day and age of the opportunities that abound, the options that are out there for uh, kids, the, and, and, and as, as these opportunities multiply, parent, uh, parental anxiety is on the rise. Our, our kids are safer than ever before, and yet parents are more and more anxious. But, the, but there's so many options and, and, and activities and things available to kids, and yet Perhaps there's increasing areas for parents to worry about or want to manage or want to control the outcome. Think about it. We've got school pressures and grades and what's going to be on their transcript and how are they going to get into college and what are their extracurricular activities. And, and I'm pretty sure as a parent, their future hangs in the balance of what I encourage them to do in school and the grades I, I need them to get. What about their health and their diet? We need to avoid this, and we read this study, and we need to add that, and we need to take that vitamin, and we probably need to breathe that essential oil, and our kids will be healthy and happy, right? And then there's activities, and of course we have sports, and we have music, and we have lessons, and we have tutors, and we have practices, and we have games, and this stuff goes on year-round, and we hire individual coaches, and I'm pretty sure there's a scholarship out there so I don't have to pay for college. There's opportunities abound, but perhaps... Increased anxiety in parents. One of the most p- common verses that you hear from the Bible when it comes to parenting is this one that's on the screen. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And, and sometimes, as we read that verse, or as we recall that verse, perhaps parents go, okay. I got to train then. I see that word train. I got to train them. I'm gonna, in fact, I'm going to freak out a little bit and I'm going to think I got to do all this stuff to train and to make sure things go the way it's supposed to go. I figure, perhaps I do this, perhaps you do this. We figure, we hope that if we do A, B, and C, that our kids will turn out perfect. Wait, let me back up. We figure if we do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, huh? you know the rest of the alphabet? that perhaps our, ki- our kids will turn out okay and be okay and be safe. 
We see that word train, and we kind of, perhaps if we're not careful, when we apply that verse, we misunderstand what parenting calls for, and, and, we, and we freak out a bit, and we think that if, if we are perfect parents, our kids are going to have a great life. We want to, if we're not careful, we tend to take this verse from Scripture and, and apply it as if it's a promise, as if it's a guarantee, as if it's a, a, a plus B equals C. We want to take that as a promise. We, we, we want to do certain things so we can get a certain outcome. Anybody relate to that? I know I feel the pressure as a parent to, to fix, to control, and to guide, and to do everything I'm supposed to do. Uh, a pastor and author named Kevin DeYoung writes this. Parenting has become more complicated than it needs to be. It used to be, as far as I can tell, that Christian parents basically tried to feed their kids, clothe them, teach them about Jesus, and keep them away from explosives. <laughs> now our kids have to sleep on their backs. No, wait, their tummies. No, never mind, their backs. Our kids have to listen to baby Mozart surrounded by scenes of starry, starry night, they have to be in piano lessons before they are five years old and they can't leave the car seat until they're about five foot six. <laughs> it's all so involved. There are so many rules and expectations. Parenting may be the last bastion of legalism, not just in the church, but in our culture. We live in a permissive society that won't count any sin against you as an adult, but we will count the calories in your kids' hot lunches. I keep hearing that kids aren't supposed to eat sugar anymore. What a world. What a world. My parents were solid as a rock, but we still had a cupboard, a cupboard populated with cereal royalty like Captain Crunch and Count Chocula. In our house, the pebbles were fruity and the charms were lucky. The breakfast bowl was a place for marshmallows, not dried camping fruit. Our milk was 2%, and sometimes if we needed to take the edge off a rough morning, we'd tempt fate and chug a little vitamin D. I know I feel the pressure, though, to, to, to be involved and to figure it out and to understand parenting and to think about the outcomes and where my kids are going to end up being and, and where they are now and where they're not supposed to be and where they should be and how do I fix that and how do I... And, and we could... We could write all that off as devoted parenting. And, it, and maybe it is. P probably a lot of it is. Perhaps that is part of our, motion, our motivation. Devoted parenting. But if we're not careful, we'll fall a victim to that, that expectation of being a perfect parent. Thinking that if we're a perfect parent, then our kid will turn out perfect. Or worse, there's a term called kindergarten which means rule of the children. If we're not careful, we'll allow kindergarten to prevail, where, where children's needs and their activities drive our, our very purpose and our, our, our time and our energy. And I might, I might now even cross into a more biblical term of idolatry. I think there's potential for parents to put kids in place of God to have parenting or to have their children be a form of idolatry where that is the be-all, end-all, and that's all that I'm serving and all that I'm doing, and it takes me away from following God. 
We want to take that verse that was on the screen as a promise, as a guarantee. If we do certain things, we're going to get a certain outcome. But here's the question we want to ask. Is, is do we have as much say or as much control in how our kids turn out as we think? And, and do, or do we want to? Should we want to? Grab your Bibles if you haven't already got them out. Open to Psalm 127. We're going to be in Psalm 127. You'll find the Psalms right kind of in the middle of your Bible. It's a big book, uh, right kind of in the middle of your Bible. Flip through there. You'll see Psalms. Then you can find Psalm 127. Love you to bring your own Bibles with you. Love you to open your Bible and keep your finger in God's Word each Sunday with us as we study and hear from Him. So whether you got your Bible in your lap or you want to pull out a device and open your Bible app, turn to Psalm 127. Father God, we need you right now. Parenting is hard. Parenting is complicated. There are so many expectations and so many studies and so many potential outcomes. God, we confess that we can be afraid. And so we need you. And being a son or daughter is difficult. Being in a family is difficult. So God, would you help us this morning, each of us, whether parents or not, Would you help us to depend on you for all we need? Would you teach us this morning what you have for us to hear? Would you open our hearts and minds to hear from you? And God, more than anything, as we study your word now in the next few minutes, I thank you again for your grace to me. That amazing mystery that your grace would come to us. Because as we think about parenting, perhaps we have regrets, perhaps we have painful trials right now in, in our families. Thank you that your grace abounds. That we don't have to be perfect. We just have to rely on you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it Labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go to, uh, late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. And notice about these first couple verses, there are, is still a human contribution. Yes, It says, unless the Lord builds it. Yes, we're going to talk about depending on the Lord. But notice that each of those verses, there's still a human contribution. The builders contribute labor. It says they still labor. Now, if apart from the Lord, their labor will be in vain. But you see, they labor. And the same with the watchman. There is still diligence required of the watchman. Yes, the Lord is what is ultimately going to do his work, who is going to do the work. But his diligence is to stay awake. And then in the next, uh, and then in that verse two, we see the farmer's efforts, or, or you know, to be to put in the work, to get up early, to go to bed late, to do his part. And yet, even as they work, even as these people contribute, they are to have faith that God will bring about His purposes. That unless these things are devoted to God, unless their work is entrusted to God, unless they are first and foremost walking with Him and following Him. Then their, then their labor will be in vain. 
So even as they work, they are to have faith that God will bring about his purposes, that it's God who makes their work good and complete and fruitful. The key here, one of the keys as we get started is this. Without the Lord's blessing, all human toil, all human efforts, and we're going to include parenting in a moment, apart from the Lord's blessing, all human toil is worthless. Apart from the Lord, unless the Lord does it, it's all in vain. And so what's explicit in verses 1 and 2, we need to take with us into verses 3 through 5. What's explicit in verses 1 and 2, that apart from the Lord, your toil is is worthless. Your toil is in vain. And we carry that principle with us into verses 3 through 5. Look back with me in the word, Psalm 127, verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Are children a good thing? Yes. Are children from the Lord? Yes. Is there going to be a busyness that's appropriate with raising children? Yes. These are, they're a heritage. They're, they're a reward. Verse 4, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. So children are a heritage. They're a gift from the Lord. And so as this topic now in this psalm turns to children, there's still a human contribution, right? There's still a human contribution to how kids come into the world. And there's still a human contribution to how kids are raised in a family. um, And yet, that contribution, those efforts of bringing children into the world, of raising them, of of building the home, is worthless apart from God's blessing. Uh, That labor will be in vain if we don't entrust that process to what God is doing. Verse 5. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them, with these arrows of children. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. That verse 5 is an interesting shift because it's been talking about children of our, of our youth and, and the children when they're young and when they're raised in a godly family. And yet here in verse 5, there's this indication that, that children who are raised with a godly example— will now stand with their parents at the gate, at the city gate, is where business was, was uh, enacted and where, and where decisions were made. And so now you have this child, once small, now grown, standing with their parents, not intimidated by their enemies, supporting parents. So these kids that are raised with a godly example um, are standing with parents. And so, yes, there's... There's a role for you, parents. There's work to be done. You have to be diligent. God is calling you to have a contribution, and yet we must also trust God by faith that he will work in our kids' lives, that he will cause them to grow into the person that he is making them to be. We can relax a bit. Where we feel some of those parental pressures and we got to figure out the outcome and we got to make sure they turn into who we want them to be. We put, we feel all these pressures and we think we've got to train, we got to do, we got to do, we got to, got to be part. And I think though this psalm is reminding us that we can relax a bit. That yes, we do our part, that yes, we parent diligently, but that we need to entrust the process to God. It's not all on your shoulders. Um, my son is playing baseball uh, in minors. 
uh, this season, and uh, Kids Inc. that runs the baseball program in Dallas put up these signs. These signs are new on the backstops this year, right where the parents sit near the bleachers. And I don't know if you can read it, but here's these reminders from the league. I am a kid. This is a game. My coach is a volunteer. The officials are human. Cheering for both teams is encouraged. No scholarships will be handed out today. Thank you. Enjoy the game. I love, yeah, that's good. I love that Kids Inc. did that. Why did this sign become necessary? What? Yeah, because of us, because of me. Why are, why, you know, why are these behaviors having to be posted against? Is it because parents are so anxious about everything turning out for their child's best and everything going the way it needs to go and for me to be involved and to parent? Is that why this sign became necessary? Look at verse 2 again in Psalm 127. It says, It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious... Look at that. Eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives rest to his beloved. The psalmist, the author of this psalm, is not against hard work. There's still... We already covered this, right? Verses 1 and 2 still call for for labor, for diligence, for human participation, for us to put forth some effort. The the author of this Psalm 127 is not against hard work, but he points out that all of these efforts, if all it is is just to survive, is just to have bread to eat, then, then then it's wasted effort. Then that's no way to live. Anxiety a to-do list full of anxiety and control and over-effort is no way to live. And so as we continue in the psalm, we, we find that the better way of life is found as we entrust ourselves and our efforts to God, asking him to bless our contributions, asking him to do his work in us, through us, in our children, through our children, so that we can rest so that we can rest in him, so that we can rest free from anxiety. And so likewise in parenting, anxious toil, anxious parenting, over-parenting, stressed out, freaked out about every detail parenting is no way to live. This psalm shows us that the better way of life, the better way of parenting is entrusting our family to Jesus and, and finding rest in him. But, but, but what do we do? Do we overtrain? Are we overanxious? Do we overparent? Are we overworried? Do we get overinvolved? Remember that verse? Let's put that verse up again. Proverbs twenty-two six. Remember this verse I pointed out earlier that that if we misunderstand this, if we don't apply this correctly, if we don't understand the way God wrote this verse, then we miss. If we if we misunderstand it, we're likely to. To, to handle it wrong. We see that train up a child, and, and we see, okay, I got to train, 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 train. I got to do A, B, C, and D. And that's how we, we, we think we can put this verse into action, that if we do that, we'll get this. If I'm perfect, my kid will be perfect. But friends, this is important as you study your Bibles. 
When you study your Bible, you need to know the way it was written, what its intentions were, what the genre of literature was, so that you can apply it appropriately, so that you can understand it appropriately. And so I want to make sure that we understand that when we read the Proverbs, we don't take this to be some kind of guarantee, A plus B equals C. We don't take it to be a promise, because I know, I'm sorry to know, I'm sad to know that there are parents out here with us this morning who know that A plus B doesn't equal C. Because parenting has been hard and complicated. And God's grace abounds to you. So we can't take it as a guarantee, a promise. A proverb, surprisingly, get this, a proverb is a proverb. A proverb is not a mathematical equation. It's not a promise. It's not a guarantee. A proverb is a proverb. It's general truth. It's wise advice. It's a guiding principle that is often true, that when put into place, this will often be the result. But train, that word train in there, doesn't mean parents control every detail, freak out about every outcome in hopes of controlling the future. Let me read uh, just once more a little bit from Kevin DeYoung. Parenting does not determine our eternal destiny. You hear that? Your child's eternal destiny is not in your hands. Or I should say, at least not in your hands alone. Parenting does not determine our eternal destiny. We must reject our well-meaning but misguided spiritual determinism that if we do certain things, this is what will happen. As it turns out, it doesn't all depend on us. The Bible is full of examples of spiritual giants, people that we look up to spiritually and godly people. The Bible is full of examples of spiritual giants producing rascally children. And the Bible is full of examples of noble kin coming from tainted backgrounds, from difficult upbringing. While the proverbial wisdom of Scripture, like the verse we've been looking at, and the promises of the covenant tell us that in general, good Christian parents and good Christian children normally do go together, we must also concede that God is sovereign, that salvation is a gift, that the Spirit of God blows where he wishes. We will parent imperfectly. Our children will make their own choices. And God will mysteriously and wondrously use it all to advance his kingdom. So thinking about Proverbs 22, 6, I want to put it up on the screen again, but this time it's in a different translation of the Bible. Our Bibles were written in, uh, in Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic, and, and over the years they've been translated into English. And so uh, there's no perfect translation uh, but I, I put this up on the screen here for this reason. I put the same verse we've been looking at up in a different translation because look how this one starts off. Instead of train your children, what does it stay? Start children off. There's a, there's a sense in the original language where the word train was really more about dedicate your children. Initiate them. Get them started. Point them in the right direction. And I think that's a a better way for us to consider this proverb. Instead of taking it as a guarantee that if I do this, I'll get that. 
take it as a guiding principle, often true advice, that if we start our children off in the way they should go, even when they are old, they will not depart from it. We have to recognize that God calls us parents to be the primary spiritual nurturers in our children's lives. We, We don't get to pass them off to someone else. We don't get to drop them off in children's church and hope that they turn out okay. God is calling you parents to be the primary spiritual nurturer, the, the primary discipler, the one who in, to passes along the truths of God to them. So that's what I'm saying, and that's what Psalm 127 is saying. We have a part to play, right? We, we, yes, if we do it apart from God, we will labor in vain, but we still labor. There's still, there's still due diligence on our part to parent diligently. And what does that look like, Christian parenting? What does it look like? It looks like teaching, guiding, pointing them to Jesus, caring about them, loving them. And yes, Christian parenting includes discipline, but you know what I think often comes to our minds when we hear the word discipline? When we hear the word discipline, we tend to think punishment and consequences, and the roots of the word discipline are more about teaching. Perhaps teaching with a a corrective bent, but teaching. We We are to come alongside. We are to point our children in the way they should go. We are to disciple in a way that will correct them and point them to God. Look at Deuteronomy 6 on the screen. You shall teach these things. It's referring to the previous verses are about the commandments of God. And so then it's saying, you shall teach those commandments of God diligently to your children. There's our human participation, right? You teach them. You be diligent parents. And how does that look in a Christian family? You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. And you know what I love about that verse? And you know what I think is a little freeing about that? Is I think in Christian culture, we've put a lot of pressure on parents that that Christian parenting has to look a certain way, and maybe you need to sit down and have a devotion every morning at 6 a.m. in the midst of the chaos before they go to school. And then you go, that isn't really very practical. Or maybe you thought you were supposed to do devotions at, at the dinner table every night like your grandpa did, and that's great, and if you can, then more power to you. But you know what's empowering about this verse to me? Is it's saying, live life, live life with your children, walk along the way, go in and go out. When you sit down, when you stand up, look for the teachable moments, look for what God is doing, and pass along God's commandments to them. Show them how everyday life can be lived for God. Show them that God's commandments are applicable to their lives. Because with God's help, we can, we can use these moments. With, with God's help, we can relax a bit. Yes, be diligent parents, but relax. Do our part, and then entrust the process to God. Have faith that he is working and that he will finish what he starts. Because our toil, our labor, uh, apart from God's blessing, is in vain. And so if our toil is worthless, if our parenting apart from God is worthless, then where do we want to start our children off? If we're going back to that Proverbs 22, 6 language, start your children off. I want to challenge me, and I want to challenge you, parents, grandparents, children, where, where do we want to start them off? What do we want to start them off toward? What do the rhythms of your life paint a picture of for them? 
What, what is the way you go about things now in your everyday life? Tell them about how they should go about things in life. Because Proverbs 22 says, start them off. And, and so I want to know what path we should start them off on. If we train up a child that, that, that is so overwhelmed by pressure of grades and all these activities and sports and competing and, 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 and eating the right diet, and, and, and if all those things take precedence, take priority over seeking a relationship with the God of the universe, then guess what they're going to do when they grow older? They're going to let all those things continue to overwhelm their desire to seek after a relationship, a friendship with the God of the universe. But what if the, start, what if the starting them off is training up a child, starting them off where God is clearly first? where life is found in him, where Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, where church family is, is a meaningful commitment. And yes, we still enjoy life and activities, and we participate, and we have hobbies, and yes, we still do our best in school, but we relax, and we do our part, and we entrust the process to God. Because unless the, look at that verse again in Psalm 127, it's on the screen as well. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor or build it labor in vain. And you know, we, we sort of see construction language there. We think of actually building a physical house. Maybe that's the first picture that came to mind. Maybe it's not. Maybe you knew where this was going. But the way that this psalm continues into the topic of parenting and children, and the way the Old Testament uses the word house— is not simply talking about construction or is not simply talking about building a physical house. The way the Old Testament uses the word house is to describe a family. And the way the psalm continues from verses 1 and 2 and transitions into the topic of children and parenting shows us that this verse very much applies to raising a family. If we, saw, if we only saw a picture of, of construction and building a physical house, now let your mind go to the fact that this verse applies to building a house, to building a home, to raising a family. And that unless the Lord builds the house, those who parent, parent in vain. And so friends, may God help us to relax a bit, to experience his grace as we parent or grandparent or encourage others. And yes, help us to do our, may we do our part, uh, but may we entrust ourselves to God. Father God, we thank you for the good news. We thank you for the good news that we are not on our own because parenting is hard. Parenting is complicating. Living in this world is hard and complicated and there are expectations and there are options and there are opportunities and at times we can be overwhelmed. And so God, we thank you for the good news that we're not on our own, that it's not up to us to save ourselves. God, we thank you first and foremost that you rescue sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We thank you for being a God who doesn't leave us stuck in our mess, but who has pursued us. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for being a God who has sent his Son to live and die so that we could live. So thank you, God, that we are not on our own trying to, to behave or trying to earn your love or trying to, to find a way to rescue ourselves. But God, thank you for salvation through Jesus. Thank you for your grace to us. And God, on this topic this morning, thank you that we are not on our own as we parent either. 
Thank you that your grace abounds to us. That whether we feel we've done okay or whether we have regrets or whether we experience the ups and downs of life and of parenting, God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your spirit living in us. Would you help us to build our families on the rock? Would you help us to build our family on Jesus, on our Lord, on our rescuer, entrusting our parenting, entrusting our children to his good working. We love you, Lord. We need you. We want to worship you now as we sing our songs, as we lift our prayers, as we give our offerings. God, we, we do so out of thankfulness to your grace, the mystery of your grace that comes to me. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.